You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. What is happening? It's on the You're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome, AME Nation, to the AME Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and for the next hour, we're going to be talking about everything art, music, and entertainment. We have a star-studded special for you guys today. In fact, we have so many interviews, I'm going to have just barely enough time to open the show and close it. So you don't have to really hear from me today, which is probably pretty good for you guys. But I hope that when you're done with this show, you're going to be inspired to go out there and try some type of art. Now, there's no excuses. If you want it, go out there and get it, because I know you can do it. And what's great about art is that art touches everybody's lives. And if you don't think so, I want you to look around your room really quick. Everything that you see in your room has been touched by an artist in some way, shape, or form. Somebody had to design it. Somebody had to come up with the colors. Somebody had to um, you know, physically make it, which is an art form in itself. Even your house. Your house is an industrial art. How cool is that? So get out there and try it. You never know what you're going to do. You never know how many lives you're going to impact. And the best thing is it's not only therapeutic, but it makes the world a better place to live in. So go try something. Don't be afraid. Now, if you want to see any of our guests that you have missed or any guests we have coming up or anything that has to do with the AME experience, all you have to do is go to www.theamemagazine.com. That will be our link to our television show, our magazine, and our... um, our, our uh, radio show. So go out there, check it out anytime you want. We're also on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash the AME experience. And we are also on Twitter, which is at Dowd Studios. Now today we have three great guests, as I said. We have Bill Engvall from the Blue Comedy Tour. That's the, the famous tour with uh, Larry the Cable Guy, Jeff Foxworthy, Bill Engvall, and uh, a couple other ones which I've seen along the way. We also have Peter Looney coming on. You've seen him from the State Farm commercial where he goes, oh, 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 you almost had it. Got to be quicker than that. Well, we have him on here. We're going to be talking to him about his career. And then we also have Bree Williamson, who's promoting her brand new television movie coming out here in the next week or so. She is Brie Williamson from One Life to Live. You've also seen her on General Hospital. So we're excited to talk to her. All right, guys, I am going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Bill Engvall, so don't go anywhere. Do you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everybody. I have a, on the line a very special guest. His name is Bill Engvall. I know you've seen him on the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, and we're here to talk to him about his current tour that he's going out with and his, uh, his amazing comedy. So welcome to the show, Bill. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, buddy. Just sitting there watching it snow in Utah. I'm looking forward to getting to Vegas. Wow, snow in Utah, then then desert the next day. That's gonna be that's gonna be pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does get crazy. So tell me a little bit about how you got into comedy to begin with, because it's a fascinating um, it's a fascinating genre of art. That's for sure. Well, uh, I was uh, in college and uh, discovered women and beer, so studies went out the window, uh, and so I moved back to Dallas. Uh, and started DJing in a nightclub, and they opened up a comedy club, and me and a buddy of mine just went on an amateur night just to watch. And after a few rounds of liquid encouragement, uh, they got me on stage, and I talked about being a DJ for five minutes in a nightclub, and people laughed. And I thought, well, this is kind of cool. And then the lady who ran the club asked me if I wanted to be the house MC, and I got to work with guys like 
Seinfeld and Shanling and Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo and guys like that and Leno. And so I learned from the best. And then that was 35 years ago, and I'm still doing it. And then obviously you came up with your, your catchphrase, here's your sign. How did that all come about? Because that's pretty fascinating in itself. How do you come up with something like that? You know, I wish I could tell you I had some great story, but it was just a bit that I, I said stupid people should be slapped. And one day my wife said, you know, you don't look like the kind of guy that walks around slapping people. So I came up with this idea of a sign. It just said, I'm stupid. And good Lord, people hooked into it. And it became the where's the beef of the 90s. And uh, it's still there to this day. And that's, it's amazing. You know, but I would never have guessed that would be the bit that people would know me by. Now, how did you come about becoming a part of the Blue Collar Comedy Tour uh, with Jeff Foxworthy and uh, Larry the Cable Guy and uh, all those other ones? Oh, uh, well, Jeff and I had been friends before that. Uh, you know, we'd see each other on the road, you know, coming in, going out of clubs. And uh, then uh, he was already out in L.A., and I moved out to L.A., and I signed with his management. And uh, we just kind of started, you know, they did the Kings of Comedy, and we thought, well, we should do one for, you know, the middle of America that, you know, that people kind of forget about. And, man, it was... it. I think we thought it'd be successful, but we had no idea it'd get as big as it did. It was absolutely successful. And, and the funny thing is is that you had four great comedy comedians on tour together with completely different styles of comedy, yet it all kind of was in the same uh, tone of comedy, which is really neat. So that's not easy to find, yet you guys blended so well, and I think that's one of the things that made it so magical. Well, I think so, too. Uh, it was, you had four headliners, uh, and everybody was just different enough, but yet we were the same enough that, uh, you know, it was like four brothers being out on the road together. It was, uh, it was one of the funnest things I've ever been a part of. And, uh, I'll, you know, one day when I have grandkids, I'll probably be able to sit there and tell them that their granddaddy was a part of a tour that probably will never be done again. I mean, uh, of that magnitude. So four of you guys on the bus, four comedians on a bus, it's got to be crazy. But who was the practical joker? Oh, Larry. <laughs> I figured. Although we all we all did it. You know, we all pulled our stunts, but uh Larry was uh, he was probably the biggest one. So, let's talk about your uh, your upcoming tour that you have going on right now. Um what's it all about? What's some of the things that we can expect when they come see you and and uh enjoy your show? Oh, you know what? The show has kind of uh evolved into what I I like call a 90-minute conversation uh that that's that's funny, you know, uh I, I like to, I, this show I liken to like if we were just sitting around your breakfast table having coffee and I was the funny guy doing the talking. Uh, it's, it's very relaxed. We talk about everything from my hatred of cell phones, uh, to, uh, you know, uh, here's, and the thing is where it's like, you want to be able to, you have to have a, a, a you walk a fine line of, new material and because there's still people who want to hear some of the older stuff and so i try to you know uh this this new try to you know we talk about having my knee replaced or uh getting uh, a kidney stone or then you know then i may throw in the the flying with the air force thunderbirds bit that i did a couple of years back so it's, it's a lot of fun i'm just out there having fun now well, I'm glad you have the same type of hatred for cell phones. I don't know how many times my cell phone has sailed across the wall, uh, the, the room, hitting a, cu a couple walls. So uh, uh, it's not easy to find somebody that, that doesn't like uh, cell phones anymore with everybody. You know so the connected. sad thing is you threw it across the room and hit the wall, and then you went out and bought another one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because we're, they, they, we have become addicted to these things. We can't. I was telling somebody, I said, you ever done this? You just picked up your cell phone and look at it. It didn't ding or buzz or anything. You just looked at it. Yeah. That's an addiction. Because <laughs> you're like, hey, does somebody call? No, nobody call me. So, um, you know, do you do a lot of political correctness? I mean, are you one of those type of guys that, that lets it fly, or will you be a little bit more politically correct? No, I'm not politically correct. Good. I like that. <laughs> uh, I just think we've become an uber-sensitive society, and we need to to just grow a pair, as they say. <laughs> the, uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm not a jerk, but, uh, you know, if you're being one, I'm going to call you out on If your feelings get hurt, I'm sorry. You know, uh, you shouldn't have been acting that way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I'm, you know, I'm not advocating being jerks, but, you know, it's like, come on, people, lighten up. <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of people are taking themselves way, way too seriously these days. 
It has. They're, they are they are butthurt pretty easily. And honestly, if you're going to go to a commer- uh, to a comedy club, you you got to kind of expect that type of stuff. I mean, and I you know I'm, I'm German and I am um, I got a lot of flaws about myself. And one time I went to this place and I just ripped on Germans, and everybody's entire uh, mouth was just hanging down. They're like, I can't believe you just said that. I'm like, I'm German. You know, get over it. I can if I can't pick up my yeah, who can yeah. I pick on? Well, and that's the thing, you know, it's like, like the, I don't do political stuff or religious stuff, anything like that, but sure. you listen, I talk about what I want to talk about, and we do it in a clean, well, I think one of the things that helps me most is the show's clean, uh, there's no swearing or anything like that, so uh, it's been a good, you know, I've had a good run in Vegas, I, and it continues, I've been playing Vegas now for almost 20 years, and uh, it's, uh, they keep coming out, so I'll keep showing up. Let me get your take on it, though, because I know Seinfeld had said something about political correctness and how it's kind of infected the comedy industry. Have you seen that at all, too, in your, in your own travels? No, because, you know, my demographic uh, is I wouldn't put in the politically correct uh, field. You know, like I said, they're just good old blue-collar people, you know, and uh, there's older people, there's younger people. And, and, you know, the other thing is I I I think with political correctness, you know, it also because of what is your definition of it. You know, it's like... Some people take it to the nth degree, and then other people are, you know, as I said, as I tell people in the show, I go, look, I'm not politically correct, and I make no apologies for that. But I'm also not a jackass. You know, I don't, I don't, sure. I don't push the subject. You know, I don't, I don't push the envelope. But, you know, it's like I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. So let's talk about the tour that you have. Uh, what are some of the next stops that you have coming up? Obviously, you've got Las Vegas uh, in, the, in the works here in the, in the next couple of days. So where else are you going to be going on? Uh, going to Cincinnati, I'll be in Indiana, I'm all over, I'm like a high-priced call girl, I come in for an hour and a half, make you feel good, get my money and leave. <laughs> and everybody has a happy ending after that, that's for sure. That's it, everybody gets a happy ending. <laughs> um, what, have, are you going to be, what's some of the f- uh, most favorite places that you could uh, actually perform at, and are you going to be in any of those coming up? Um, I like playing Vegas, which is great. You know, it just, I always love because if you could find that one person that had never heard of Las Vegas or anything about it and just explain it to them, they would lose, they would be, they'd think you were from another planet. <laughs> um, but I also, I just, you know what, dude, I gotta be honest, I, it, there, I really don't have a favorite place. I like whenever, it, wherever the people show up to, to hear what I gotta say, that's my new favorite place. Absolutely. Uh, so how can people fo- uh, follow you and also find out more about your tours, maybe get some merchandise or anything? Uh, they can go to uh, BillIngvall.com, uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at BillIngvall. Um, and uh, I'm on Instagram. I think it's BingVall. I'm not sure what they, they can see it. But, uh, but yeah, they, they can follow me all over those, and uh, I'm always putting up videos or tweeting and stuff like that so uh, people can follow where I'm at. Well, Bill, thank you so much for coming on the show. I don't want to keep you anymore. And go have some fun, and I uh, look forward to hopefully seeing you when you come to the Tampa area. All right, buddy. Sounds good. All right, take care. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got so much more, so don't go anywhere. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy, that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop at Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I have on the line with me a very special guest, and you've seen her on daytime television for sure. She was a part of One Life to Live. She played Jessica Brennan, and she's also been on General Hospital playing Claudette. But she has a brand new show coming out. It's a TV movie uh, called Mommy's Little Boy. Her name is Bree Williamson. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? 
Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know, I got to see you uh, act a lot through uh, through the uh, One Life to Live because my mom absolutely adored that show, and we used to watch it together. It was one of the things that we did. Uh, so it was it's neat to be able to talk to you and, and kind of get to get to know you and, and talk about all your cool projects that you have coming up. Well, yay! I'm glad that your mom watched the show. That's awesome. So, and I actually corrected you. You were like, you were very accurate. I almost was going to be like, ah, it was Jessica Buchanan, but you're very accurate. It was Jessica Brennan because I got married. So that's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I still you're got it. <laughs> there you go. So, um, what kind of got you into the uh, art of acting? I mean, something always triggers something to where you want to be inspired to do it. What inspired you to become an actress? Well, I um, I'm from Toronto, Canada. I don't know if you knew that, but um, and that's where I grew up. And I always, you know, I always did school plays and stuff like that. But it was never really like in my mind a possibility of a career to do it. And then, um, uh, you know, I modeled a little bit when I was young. And again, I was like, oh, this is just fun. It's not really going to be a career. And then, um, cause I, you know, we were always, it was always, we were going to go to college and, you know, that, that's, you know, what you do. So during, um, you know, at the, during college, I, um, was also acting as well on the side and like doing a couple guest stars here and there. And I remember doing a guest star for the show. I think it was Meet Net. And I had the best week ever. And I was like, Oh God, I want to be an actor. This is what I want to do. Oh no. Because I knew that it was going to be really, really hard. And it was actually like a really scary moment because nothing in my life had been, um, like, I'd always knew that, known that I'd love acting, but I never knew, like, it wasn't until that moment that I had the epiphany that I was like, this is what I want to do with my life, and I can actually do it if I wanted to, but it's going to be really hard. So, um, so yeah, that's when it all changed, and my, um, my kind of, my, I, I kind of shifted my focus towards acting, although I, I did continue my degree in psychology and women's studies. And then during my, uh, right when I finished my last year of college, I um, I was contacted to join One Last Life List. So that was perfect. And then I moved to New York, which allowed me to get a green card and then eventually citizenship. And now I'm here. So that's is history. Ta-da. <laughs> well, that's, an, that's awesome. That's now, being on One Life to Live uh, and all these other uh, daytime soap operas, I gotta, I gotta say, just by looking at it and seeing how everything changes every single solitary day, there's really like no days off to, uh, really, you know, perform, you know, get your, get your lines together and stuff. How challenging was that? And then how, how much in co- different contrast is it from doing daytime television where you have a, a constant, uh, you know, show going for years and years and years to a regular show? Is it different? Is it harder to do? Is it, uh, something you can jump into back and forth and, and kind of like if you, if you were doing a daytime show and then doing a, a movie like, um, like Mommy's Little Boy, how easy is that to manage and juggle? Um, you know, I think that there's, for, for both, like, you know, obviously there are, um, difficulties with doing daytime and it is a lot of work and it is exhausting. But, you know, so is any acting job, to be honest. Like, if you're working on a show and there's always crazy hours and it's, it's usually always exhausting and, you know, um, so like, for example, uh, I always, only because I'm working on it right now, I'm doing a show called Private Eyes in Toronto and I'm not in it. I'm just, I'm, I'm recurring this season. So, uh, my schedule isn't as crazy for them, but it's like they're, they're, they work some long, crazy hours. So, um, with any job, it's crazy. But when I was on One Life for eight years, um, it almost became like you could get into a rhythm with it. Like, I knew what time I was waking up every morning. I was home around the same time every night. And you're not getting on a plane and going anywhere. You go to the same place every day, to the same dressing room. So, you know, it's almost like a normal job, as normal as you can get for an acting job. But when the show ended and I started doing other projects, that meant that, you know, I opened the door to traveling places like one of my first couple projects that I did when the show ended was Haven which shot in Nova Scotia I moved all the way to LA 
to shoot in Nova Scotia and New York. My first two projects were in Nova Scotia and New York, which, you know, was difficult. I had a one and a half year old, so I have to manage childcare or bring him with me and kind of, you know, uprooting my family. So that brings uh, difficulties as well. But in my mind, I find that part exciting because I love to travel and I like to spend lots of time in other places. So even what? Ottawa, we actually filmed this this film, Mommy's Little Boy in Ottawa, mm-hmm. um, Ontario, which is the capital of Canada. And it was amazing. <laughs> we had so much fun. It's, I mean, I know that, you know, Ottawa might not be on everybody's travel list, but it is beautiful and so great with kids, so so great for kids, pardon me, and um, yeah, we just had such a great time, so it's a really cool city. Well, Ottawa definitely has a lot of history for sure, and you know, growing up in New England and stuff like that, I wasn't too far from the Toronto border and Quebec and all these other places, so you know, I've seen a lot of it. I'd love to eventually get to Canada one of these days, because I, it, I know it's got so many cool things up there, and I like the French culture, and, and it's got you know, a lot of history behind it, and I love history. That's one of my favorite things to do, so hopefully one day I'll be able to visit up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really great. I, I would suggest there's so many great museums in Ottawa, the National Gallery. And yeah, Quebec is really, really close. Quebec City is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And Montreal is a really fun town. So yeah, here we're talking about acting, and then all of a sudden we talk about travel, which is another <laughs> one of our favorites. So there you go. Well, it kind of plays hand in hand. I mean, you, sometimes you have to go like into these amazing destinations for these movies because it's the closest thing that you can find to, you know, authentic without being in authentic places. And that's what's cool about it. You know, it, it's or a- there are tax credits in certain areas, yes. so it makes it a very lucrative place to film. So that's also another reason too. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is what is some of the best parts of acting for you? Some of the best parts of acting for me. Um, I think that I get to examine human behavior and I get to be someone else. So I get to kind of examine who the character is and where they came from. And then I get to, you know, play someone else for a little while, which is kind of fun. Because my life is kind of boring. I love my life. I have a sun and everything's great, but I'm not out partying all night or anything like that. And I'm not getting drunk and yelling at my kids like Brianna is in this film. So um, sometimes it's fun to, to you know, be someone else. It's great. And I think that's one of the reasons why my mom loved watching soap operas, because it was always drama, but it was never involving her. She got to watch everybody else's drama. But one question yeah. I have about those soap operas, why does everybody always hang out at a hospital? Doesn't matter what it is. They seem to hang out at hospitals. <laughs> I mean, dude, have you ever been to a hospital? Normally, like, stuff goes down, man. Like, there is people getting hurt and livers being transplanted and babies being born and gun people having gunshots. So that's where all the drama happens, right? That's true. And usually I go to hospitals, but I've been to a lot of hospitals for a lot of stupid things I decided may have been really cool at the time, and it really ended up not being cool. So um, usually when I'm in there, I'm kind of like screwed up anyway. So um, I guess I wouldn't have seen that end of it. <laughs> yeah. So hospitals don't bring, aren't like, you know, a fun place for you to think about because you're always, you know, you're in them for bad reasons, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, mommy. Mommy's little boy. Let's talk about that. (laughs) Yes, uh, mommy's little boy. Uh, What is your? I saw that your role here is Brianna Wilson, and kind of give us a little idea of what the plot of the movie is, and also why did you choose to be the character? Why did you want to play that role? I love it when people ask me that, as if I, you know. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna be fun. So the, so the, the role is pretty much I'm a single mother of two kids, but. Um, I, I'm not the best mom, and I and it's very clear from the beginning scene and who Brianna is that she um has a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the first ten minutes of the movie, one of her sons drowns in her backyard pool, and which kind of sets her um on a downward spiral for the rest of the film. I don't want to give any more away because it gets super dark, really, really <laughs> dark, really, really quickly. And it's pretty awesome. 
Um, and the reason why I picked it is because my manager sent me the audition, and I was like, okay, I'll audition for this, and then they hired me. So that's why. <laughs> but, you know, what's really fun as an actor who's, like, you know, auditioning in L.A., it's really great to also come across scripts that you're, like, and a character that you're like, oh, okay, I have to work on this, but actually want to do to do the job, actually be excited about the possibility of getting the job. And I really was, because this is the kind of character that I hadn't really played anyone this dark before. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was, I mean, you know, I like there is darkness on soaps and stuff, but, um, but not to this extent. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. Um, did you learn anything from your character that you can apply to your own life? Oh, God, no. Oh, man, no. I mean... Uh, had a, yeah, no, um, <laughs> had to hide a body, maybe, I guess, I don't know, without giving too much away, <laughs> that's a lot, I mean, but yeah, no, there's not a lot that, um, she could, uh, yeah, how to hide a body. Well, <laughs> well, that's a very useful skill, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's not, I hope I never have to use that skill. You're a bit of a sicko. I hope I never, ever, 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 ever have to know how to hide a body. No, I wouldn't want to do that either. Uh, you know, that's for somebody else's job, not mine. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the less I know, the better. <laughs> what type of uh, year does this does this take place? Does this take place on like an actual real life story based on something like that, or is it just strictly fictional? And what what uh, decade did it take place in? Does it take place in today, or does it take place like uh, you know a couple of years ago? It's it's present day. It's present day. Um, I mean, it's not like I mean, if it's like a couple of years ago, it's not. They're not really. It's not apparent in the script. It, you know, it was present day, and um, it's definitely not based on a true story. Well, that's none good. that I know of. Not not that I know of. Um, yeah. Just a lifetimey on the edge of your seat kind of dark drama. What was the biggest challenge for you to play Brianna? Um, I think that it it wasn't a challenge, but I think that it was important uh, because we worked long hours, and I spent most of the time yelling at um, Peter, who plays um, my son in the film, and his name in the film is Eric. I think that it was important to like lighten the moon a lot. <laughs> um, because I would like, I spent the entire day going, Eric, 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 just yelling at him to the point where we would just have to laugh at how awful, you know, I was to him. Uh, so that was a bit of a challenge. Did you ever go hoarse or anything like that from all the yelling and, and the, the constant talking? No, no, I'm, uh, I, I, you know, no, maybe I'm really used to, to yelling. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a seasoned yeller, so it didn't really affect me. No, not really. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, I didn't, nothing, no, no vocal cords were harmed in the making of Mommy's Little Boy. Well, that's important. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, there's nothing better than life than uh, um, real, you know, full-time television movies. I, sometimes I think that they're more dramatic and sometimes a lot better than something you see in, te- in uh, the actual movie networks. Where is it going to be airing on, and when can we see it? Oh, man, you're asking me that? I have no idea. Do you not have that written down somewhere? I am the worst at self-promotion. I have no idea. I'm like, I, I could be next week. It could be like three months from now. I have no idea when it's airing. I am the absolute worst. I literally... I don't know. <laughs> well, I know it's going to be airing on March 18th, so I guess everybody could set their DVRs for that, or they can just sit down and you know relax in front of the the TV with their family and just kind of watch it then. Why are you testing me? Why are you testing me over there? <laughs> I just want to make sure she knows. That's so right. I, so that's good. That's going to air. So for sure, tune in. But um, but yeah, um, I'm really bad. Normally, I get lots of notice for that stuff because I um. Yeah, um, I, I get I get reminded over and over and over again because I forget things like that. What stations are going to be airing on? Is it going to be a Lifetime movie? Is it going to be A and E or it's anything? Lifetime. Lifetime. Okay, cool. Yeah, they make the best it's stuff. Like, 
on Lifetime. You know, I forgot to mention this one more thing that I, I found kind of funny about making this movie, too, which was also, like, I mean, listen, it's, it's just fun to, like, I was, um, at the same time that I was shooting this movie, I was going back and forth and doing General Hospital in L.A., and as you can imagine, the General Hospital kind of experience is a little different. I would, like, be in full makeup and hair and, like, super awesome, nice clothing every day. But then when I did this Lifetime film, we I didn't wear any makeup for the whole film, which was kind of awesome. That's the first for me. Wow. So that was, uh, that was fun. Oh, I bet, and probably a lot less prep time, too. I mean, it was easy. I just rolled out of bed, and there I was, ready to go. Now, speaking of General Hospital, I know that they have you on, like, a hiatus. Like, they don't know what happened to you, uh, your character. Is there any chance of you coming back? I mean, there's always a chance. <laughs> That's what I love about soap operas. You can just resurrect from the dead. It's so cool. I know. I mean, just for the love of God, don't kill me on camera. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I think I think the one I that... I had such an amazing time working there. Um, everybody there is super nice and super great. So you, you know, you never know. That's true. You never do know. And, you know, like one of the guys that I, I remember making a comeback on the One Life to Live was the guy that went for, uh, away for a long, long time. It was the brother of one of the Buchanans that they didn't know he was a brother until uh, Dorian came in and made it official because she wanted all the, all the Buchanan's money. I forgot what his name was, but he, he was, uh, he, he joined like some type Is of monastery. Joey? I think so. Are you, are you talking about the, the Nathan Fillion guy? Like the, the one that not Nathan Fillion, pardon me. The character in which Nathan Fillion played, are you talking about Joey? That could be before my time. No, it was towards the end of it. It was it was towards the 2010 season or 2011 season. But he came in and he was like a. Uh, they found him in a mo in a monastery or something like that, and he was just you know. It, it, oh, Mitch Lawrence. Yes, Mitch Lawrence. You're you're talking about the dude that was. He wasn't a Buchanan, but he there was there was a huge storyline in which they made it that like Jessica and Natalie were twins. But we had different fathers. Yes. Figure that one out. Lawrence <laughs> was Jessica's dad. So, but then when they ended the show, you know, eight years later, however many years later, it turned out that I was not Mitch Lawrence's daughter. So mm -hmm. everybody can sleep easier now. <laughs> well, um, we are just about out of time, so please tell everybody one more time where they can see the movie and how they can find out more about you, maybe follow your career, uh, or anything that you have going on in, in your life. Um, please watch the movie on my week of March. Tell me uh, March 18th. So watch it. Lifetime, March 20th. On the week of March, Mommy's Little Boy. It's going to be the awesome, the edge of your seat, awesomeness. And um, I have an Instagram account and Twitter that I'm usually active on. And, uh, yeah, I'll be um, tweeting about it and probably throwing up an Instagram or two when we get closer. And uh, you can follow me there. I think they're both Bree Williamson. So there you go. Now, one thing that I do know about Lifetime movies is sometimes they do, like, live tweeting from during the shows and, and when it first airs. Uh, do you think that that might be a possibility that you might be doing something like that? Definitely a possibility. I haven't heard anything if that's what they want yet, but um, yeah, I would be interested in doing a live tweet. It's super fun. But the, people have to be patient with me because I'm a slow tweeter. <laughs> I do the best I can. Well, see, that's what's great about Twitter. There's 143 characters, so it's not that it's not a lot of reading. Hopefully, <laughs> I know, I know, right. <laughs> Well, Bree, this has been fantastic. I, I cannot wait to see this uh, show coming out here in the next couple weeks, and I wish you all the best, and hopefully you all get to see you a little bit more on General Hospital. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got so much more, so don't go anywhere. Do you love horror? The strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd. 
and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. <laughs> All right, guys, we are back, and I have a very special guest. And actually, one of the things that I found so amazing about him is his ability to make you laugh. And I, you've all seen his commercial. He was all on that State Farm commercial, the, guy, the fisherman that says, oh, 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 you almost had it. Well, we got him on the phone today. We're going to be talking to him about his career, all the stuff he has coming up, and uh, just get to know this guy a little bit better. His name is Peter Looney. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you, Jason. Oh, you're welcome. How about you? I'm doing fantastic, and uh, you know it's been it's been a great week so far, and uh, and I like to end a, I like to end weeks on on a good positive note, and that's what it's been doing. And now I get to talk to you, so this is a pretty cool week. Good deal. So let's kind of get you. Let's kind of get to know who you are. When did you start uh, acting, and what made you? What made it so special for you? Uh, I think it was just a chance to play again as a kid. Uh, you know, you're given a, you're given imaginary circumstances, and you hope to have experiences in those circumstances that are truthful and give you the same mind treatment that uh, reality would in terms of uh, the imagination and uh, reality are. <coughs> pretty close in terms of brain brain waves and uh yeah that's what i love about it is i get to play as a kid again you know i I love that's what i like about acting too you get to play so many different characters really the sky's the limit it's kind of depends on what you're able to put out there and what you're able to do and uh you know that that's what's that's what's so cool. There's so many genres. There's so many there's so many people you can be. You can be, you know, like uh, you could play the president of the United States, or you could play an axe murderer. I mean, there's so many there's so many things that you can that you can be involved with. Now, you were telling me that you were you got your start as uh, in a state theater in Nevada. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was community theater for Reno. Uh, I was uh, in a business with my family. In the auto wrecking and scrap metal business, which is dirty, hard physical labor most of the time because we were cutting up cars, smashing cars with cranes, running over them with bulldozers, anything to compact the size so we get more weight into the railroad car. And I didn't have much social life. I was the only graduate from college of my family and I was outside of uh, Reno city limits in a uh, 14 acre wrecking yard where I didn't meet too many people socially. Uh, <clears throat> so I had a fraternity brother that said, Hey Peter, there's a, there's a play going on in South Pacific and they need chorus people. Uh, and there's a lot of good looking women. So, I went down an audition and got into the course, and uh, from there went to other community theater projects and ended up being cast opposite uh, my first wife, as it turned out to be, uh, in plays like Barefoot in the Park and those type of things. And we got quite a bit of encouragement to try it because here were people uh, in this community theater that had been doing it for 25, 30 years, some of them but never really tried it professionally. So they seemed to think we had a shot at it. So they encouraged us to, us to go give it a try. So we decided to sell my share of the business to my family, back to my family, sell a new house that we just bought. We had a home that we bought. It was a model home in 1966. We bought this home for $24,000. The uh, mortgage was $160 a month. Well, from there, when we decided to try the acting, we needed felt we needed some training. So we auditioned for the neighborhood playhouse with Sanford Meisner as the teacher. Uh, are you aware of Meisner? No, I've never heard of him. Uh, he came from the group theater like Stella, Ad- Stella Adler and uh, 
who's the other guy? Uh, Strasberg. They all went to the group theater together and learned Stanislavski's method from Russia uh, about just being yourself and telling the truth, basically. <clears throat> so we auditioned in San Francisco and got accepted. And then just before we were ready to go in a van that I bought for $400, it was a 1966 Chevy van. And we had all our furnishings and and chairs piled on the top of the roof, and we went to New York City. Uh, and <clears throat> a little side story there, I almost we almost didn't get in because of my age. At that time, I was 29, just turning 30, and they told me I was too old. Well, by that time, I'd sold the business, sold the house, sold the extra cars. Uh, I was gone. So we went back and spent two years at the neighborhood playhouse. You have to be asked back after the first year. The first year they allowed, I think, 80 students. <clears throat> the second year they invited 14 back out of 18, out of 80. Both, both my wife and I were invited back. So that was our training to begin with, was with a master teacher. Wow, that's really cool. Now, have you done other things like maybe any type of feature films or independent films or any television outside of the commercials since you've done live theater? Oh, yes. Uh, <clears throat> live theater is so much fun. There's no question about it. It's uh, a chance to really get into a, a role and, and a story uh, over a period of time and, and constantly keep working on it however it's not the same thing as film and television where you maybe you get a few takes but usually it's rehearsal <clears throat> set up where you have to go what you have to do and then you're into it and uh, I just finished a live streaming for the internet uh, for Snickers candy bar it's a Snickers 36 hour live streaming I play a cowboy and it's an old cowboy uh, making comments about comments about the show, <laughs> how boring it was. But I had a lot of fun. Uh, first time I ever worked with a teleprompter, which is just like doing a cold reading off of a script where you don't have anything memorized. I got three pages of dialogue 20 minutes before we started shooting. So I just had to get up there and do like I do in cold readings. I look to get my line and then I speak. In this case, with the teleprompter, you can actually speak as you're reading. So it's fun. It's spontaneous. It's in the moment. It's live. No take, no other takes, just one take. So it's exciting. Now, when you did the uh, State Farm commercial, that probably was one of your most popular things because, I mean, Every time I turn around, I see that commercial, which is awesome because it's so funny. Yet, on the other hand, you know, we just had some, a couple of very, very close Super Bowls. So you're, you've actually become a pretty popular meme across the, across the, uh, the Internet there because you had Seattle that almost had that Super Bowl. And they, they got that interception at the one-yard line, at the goal line. And then, you know, the Falcons had it and blew a 25-point 20, lead. So, of course... Your 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 character has been uh, very popular recently. <laughs> so, what was it like to work on that commercial, and what made it special for you? Well, again, I think it's the spontaneity of the of the situation. I was working with a young director who wanted something different. Every take, every time we had a take, uh, which is you know just one camera episode. Uh, the camera's running and you're on and then the director says cut and it's over well this young director and several that I've worked with in the last few years uh, they want something different all the time they want a lot of choices to be able to have a lot of choices of what they edit and what they take to put in the product so <clears throat> that was just <laughs> so much fun because we just kind of ad-libbed it and I, I got to act silly and play 
what's cool about it, though, is usually when you say, you know, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, then all of a sudden, bam, here comes the agent. But this time it was you. So I think yeah. that's kind of what was what was neat about it. And then you sit there and torment that girl, and, you know, she's trying to reach up for the dollar. It, it, it kind of reminded me of like a cat playing with a, you know, a ball of string. That's what was so yeah. funny about it. And she got so annoyed, but yet she didn't get her dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, State Farm. Yeah. Was yeah. she, was was she having fun doing it? I mean, did you have fun do, doing that? Did, did you guys laugh about it afterwards? Oh, absolutely! It was joyful, <laughs> you know, because that's what I love. When I the first theater I did I was dinner theater out of uh, Washington D.C. and in those dinner theaters and stuff, you work with a lot of uh, local actors, not necessarily professional actors, and it was my first professional job getting paid. Well, from the training I had had uh, with Sanford Meisner at the Playhouse was uh, honest, truthful, spontaneous, unpredictable type of work. Whatever's happening, whatever the truth for you is in that moment that you're doing it while you're on, whatever the truth, if you express that, you can't go wrong because that's what the audience and the camera particularly in film and television, sees if you're in a close-up. They see whether you are having an experience or if you're pretending. Well, the distinction is so great that you can't really afford to do anything other than to have an honest experience in the moment. So let's talk about some of the things you have possibly coming up. I, you just told me you just told us about your Snickers commercial. Do you have any anything else in the works that you're working on that uh, might be coming out in the near future? Not that I'm working on. Uh, I just shot in December a film from uh, a company in Paris here in Los Angeles as a corrupt and crooked uh, politician a city mayor who's running for state state senate. Uh, It was five days' work and uh, very interesting because the producer and director were from France, so there was some communication uh, challenges uh, in terms of direction. But most times, unless you really have a leading role where the director has the opportunity to study the material enough to have direction for your character, you pretty much have to go there on set and be prepared to do what's been written. And then chances are they're going to change that. So that's the difference between theater and film and television is that television is so much more immediate live. Um, I was going to ask you about your... um about your your upbringing too uh i i'm sorry i just thought about it now but when you were growing up did you want to be an actor when you were growing up i mean was it something like always stuck in the back of your head like you know i I always wanted to be an architect never happened um i I did train for it though i did go to to some training but i never got a chance to do it like i wanted to but i you know my idea of architecture i wanted to be a stadium uh, architect because I love how they how they build these big massive structures and yet they're big sets of ramps where everybody can come and go and there's so many emotions that go on during those games and stuff like that it just it fascinated me um, mm-hmm. but was it like that for you did you want to be an actor when you grew up I mean how wh- what was it like growing up as a kid what what did you have envisioned for your life <laughs> nothing uh, that's, why I, that's why I ended up in the I got a business degree from college, a bachelor's degree, and I I had trained to be an accountant. I worked part-time in an accounting office. I was treasurer of a $120,000 fraternity uh, where I couldn't go to sleep if I had one penny off. I got to the point where it just drove me nuts because I'd wake up adding columns of figures. So business wasn't really that interesting to me other than the fact that I could make a living at it. When I discovered I could make a living working hard, I said, well, what about playing? And it never occurred to me while I was growing up to be an actor, no. Uh, It was something I loved doing on Saturday afternoons to go to those matinees and see the serials and the cartoons and the news. It was magic, there's no question. 
I didn't know that I wanted to do it back then. Isn't it amazing when things just find you, find a way to make things happen for you, and then you realize, where was this my whole entire life? Um, yeah. I always felt like I was very slow in not knowing what I wanted to do, because it wasn't until I was 29, 30 years old that I made a decision of some, doing something I wanted to do. Now, with your age now, does it hurt, does it help you getting jobs? Is it harder to get jobs? Uh, what's the, what's the situation for you, uh, or for anybody? You know, it's a little bit older. Yeah, it just it goes through cycles. You have age ranges where your age range that you are at the particular time is popular and gets more play, uh, and then there are times when uh, <laughs> it's less, and with age, it becomes less. It's just not as, you know, I mean, how many grandfathers do you see on a program, uh, an, you know, a television program network or, or not? Uh, if you're lucky, if you get one grandparent, and usually if you're playing in an older people, you're playing someone who is sick or dying. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a whole lot of fun unless you can be silly like I can. I mean, people give me that opportunity to go ahead and just whatever comes out that's what you get well see that's what's so cool about the acting field it's it's not like music you know with with acting some, even modeling now and, and stuff like that there's so many different needs out there because you can't dress somebody up that's like 20 years old to make them look like they're in their 80s you can but you can tell oh. it's it's makeup but on the other hand you can't you know you can't always get you know, skinny people that need fat jobs or fat people that need skinny jobs or anything like that. I mean, there's so many, there's so many varieties of, of people that are needed for things nowadays because they're getting a lot more complex in the way that they filmed, the way that, you know, the scripts are written than they were back in the old days. And, exactly. you know, so there are a lot of opportunities or yeah, there, there can be. And you're right. It's broader. Mm -hmm. You know, the range is broader. And I, that's what I love about the whole thing is that, uh, in my experience, Everyone, and I mean everyone, is unique and individual. And if they can tap into the being of what that is, there's a market. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, when I finally decided to take up art as my type of um, my 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 profession, my love, you know, video editing, um, audio editing, photography, stuff like that, I realized that the world can be a very cruel place. And, um, you know, you get, you get a, lot of, a lot of great compliments and a lot of great people. But then on the other times, you hear a lot of no's. You hear a lot of negativity. <laughs> and I know for you, being a, be as an actor, you have to audition. And, you know, you can have a role that you think is perfect for you. You show up there, and it, it may not be that you did a bad job. It's just you may, your type of, um, I don't know, your, 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 uh, whoever you may be, may be not right for that, that specific role. So you get a no. Basically, what type of advice would you give somebody that is going up into oh. auditions? Because they're going to hear a lot of yeses. They're also going to hear right. a lot of noes. How, how do you how do you right. stay focused with the noes? You, you practice. You, uh, you audition every opportunity that you can. You learn as much as you can. And when I say practice, you have to work. My always said you have to work at your craft in order to get better. You have to work, and that's the question. That's it. If you're not in a play, if you're not in a commercial or a film or anything going on, uh, get in a play if that's your choice, theater instead of film or television. You have to make a distinction because there's a difference. You can do both, but they're different. Uh, so you practice and you work every chance you can and you keep on working. If that's your passion, I do it because I love doing it. I mean, I, I don't have to do it financially now, thanks to State Farm. It treated me very well. Uh, but that's, it's a numbers game. You yeah. know, I may go on a hundred or 150 auditions before I get the next job. And yet I may get two or three in a row. You never know. It's not up to you. It's not under your control. You're asking to be hired. They're going to hire what they have in mind, what they think works best. And a lot of times, because of our wonderful uniqueness, none of us are the same. Mm -hmm. So what you got to sell is who you are, whoever that is. And that's the work of the actor, is to discover who you are. And you get a 
great opportunity in all these imaginary circumstances that you get to play. And if you're making your motivation motivation important and meaningful, you're going to have an experience of that situation, which is an education in itself. Now, in your off time, do you happen to maybe teach or help teach any classes on acting? Yes. I teach weekly, just one class a week. Uh, <clears throat> I've taught for 36 years professionally where I get paid to do so. Uh, and before that, at Dinner Theater, my first paid acting job in, in D.C., uh, I taught people there at, that were interested because they wanted to know what the hell I was doing because it was different from what they were doing. What they were doing is to repeat the same idea over and over again. Well, a repeat is never as good as the original. You know, that's and right. You can't have the same experience twice. It's just not possible. It's always different. Thank God. <laughs> Well, Peter, we are just about out of time, so please tell everybody um, anything that you have that you want to say, any way that they can contact you, if there's a social media site, website, or anything that you have out there that you want to promote, please do so, uh, and we'd love, to, we'd love to follow you more. Well, that'd be wonderful. I'd, I appreciate it. Yes, you can look at my website at filmactingteacher.com, www.filmactingteacher, all one word, small letter, dot coms. You can look up my uh, IMDB resume and, and pictures and things there. Uh, you can catch me on Facebook under Peter Looney, uh, Los Angeles, California. What else could I say here? Oh, uh, <clears throat> in my class, our classes, I teach with a woman who's in her 50s, who's a, a filmmaker, a, an award-winning filmmaker. We kind of have a different situation than most acting classes in as much as we teach jointly. Both of us make uh, make suggestions to actors. When we work with actors, uh, our, whole, our whole policy is to encourage I've had so many experiences when I saw casting directors and agents and uh, teachers be very negative, and it, it only hurts the actor. It doesn't help them. Mm -hmm. so our, our policy is to benefit the actor. Our, our classes are called For the Actor, and that's, that's what we're about. We're actors, both of it. We love it. We love doing it. We offer a free audit, so if you're ever, if you're in the Los Angeles area or know of somebody that's out here that's looking for a class, they can come audit the class, no charge. We never try to sell anything. You'll see if you like it or not, and if it works for you, and you'll have a chance to work in that class. In our classes, every client, every student works every time. We learn by experience. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Well, thank you for uh, spending some time with us and telling us about your career and your passions and everything else. And we wish you all the best. And hopefully I'll see you in some more commercials because I, I do enjoy them. Oh, good. Thanks. Yeah. All right, guys. We are going to go to a quick break now. And we will be back right after this. So don't go anywhere. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop in Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. 
Welcome back, everybody. It's time to end the show. And I hope you enjoyed all the guests that we had on today on the Star Studded Special. We have a lot more coming up, so don't go anywhere. Just keep coming back every week. You never know who we're going to have on. We have a lot more great artists coming up. We have some tips, tricks, and news, and all kinds of fun stuff. So you never know what you're going to get. And again, you can check us out every Friday on WKLAP.com, Internet Radio Station at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, AM FM 247, and all the seven stations that we have across the United States. And that is every Saturday at 5 p.m. And iHeartRadio On Demand right now. All right, guys, that's all we have for you. Join us next week. Same time, same channel. Enjoy and have a great week and keep those creative juices flowing. Good night, everybody. That's the end. We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.